All right, you guys can hear me on this, hopefully? Never used a lapel before, so. You know, you guys probably knew I was preaching when he came in here, and he's like, ah, oh, he's wearing slacks again. Oh, man, he's preaching. But, you know, better be careful, because otherwise I'll just preach a two-hour sermon. You guys will never get out of here, never get lunch. No. You know I can't talk that long. I mean, seriously, uh, you probably you know, heard, what, what does it mean when I look at my watch? No, it means you're in a parallel dimension, because I don't wear a watch in this one. So, yeah. But uh, today I'm going to be preaching out of Psalms, chapter 4610. And if you could go ahead and open up your Bibles there. And stand with me. All right. Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. If you go back one verse, let's just read it from verse 9 and go back through it. It says, He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And you guys can be seated. You know, I, I'm just going to start off saying I love food. I mean, does anybody just love food like crazy? I mean, yesterday I got, I don't know if any of you have eaten at Chipotle. If you don't, if you don't know what it is, it's like the sub- the subway of Mexican food, basically. Like, you know, you just go through and pick everything. They make the burrito right there for you. It's just this huge monster of deliciousness. I got, I got one yesterday, and it was just blew my mind. I was sitting there eating it. And it was just, and when I was, when I was eating it, you know, it was just my mind. I could hear. Sometimes all I need is the air that I breathe and to love you. There's just a little romance going on between me and that burrito. It was awesome, and you know. My wife knows I love food. She, she laughs at me because sometimes when I really, really enjoy something when it's, you know, extremely good or just out of the ordinary, I close my eyes when I eat sometimes. I'm just like, take it a bite. You know, and she, she laughs at me for it. But uh, am, I, am I ringing really bad on this or is it just me? Okay, I'm good. But on our, on our honeymoon, we got to eat some amazing food. No lie. We were in San Francisco and, you know, we just ate out pretty much every meal. We got to try, you know, the little hole-in-the-wall Chinese places to, you know, the expensive restaurants, you know, places we'd been before, places we'd never even heard of in our lives. And one of the places we went to was, I think it was called Forno's Oven. It was the restaurant in the hotel we were staying at. And uh, it was expensive. Man, I mean, that's some, I've never eaten anywhere that expensive before. And maybe for you guys it's not, I don't know. But for me, Olive Garden is like, wow, I think I have enough money to make it. And so... We went there, and you know, it was our big splurge that night. So we got down there, we're all excited, and you know, we look at the prices. It's like, you know, I think it was like $20 for an appetizer. And then the meals were like 30 and up. You know, it was, it was like, it was, it was high priced. And we were just, you know, we'd already been eating out the whole week, and we're like, we're running a little low. We're like, okay, so what we'll do is we'll just, you know, we'll get a salad and we'll get an appetizer, and we'll get a meal, and we'll split it together. We won't get, you know, our own things. And, you know, maybe, I mean, maybe you've seen in movies when people go to fancy restaurants, or you watch a dining show on TV, and they go in there, and they're like, oh, this is the best place ever, and they're like, you know, it only costs $60 for a meal, and they put down $60, and they bring out this plate, and there's this little tiny piece of food on it. And you're just like, seriously? And they're just, oh, that was delectable. That was good. 
I love coming here. And you're like, you're anorexic. You've never eaten in a month. That's why you're liking that. You know, that looks like trash. I wouldn't put that in my mouth. You know, but uh, you know, I'm looking for a big pizza and they're eating that little carrot. But it's like maybe you've, I've been to a place called, it's a tapas bar. Let me clarify, you know, tapas, not topless. I got a little scared when they told me that they were starting to put that in at my work because I was going to a Bible college and I wasn't sure if I could continue working at a place like that. Tapas, it's Spanish. And uh, basically the way it works, when I went, I went to one in Dallas and you order these little plates of food. They, they're like, you know, five or six dollars. I just looked up a few items just like mentioned. They have better names, but this is the description of a couple of them. There was uh, Mallorcan pork and spinach patties, you know, uh, garlic mushrooms, sliced chorizo sausage cooked in red wine and brandy. I mean, it was just, you know, all these little fancy things, but they cost like five or six dollars average. You know, you have to order a whole bunch of them, though, because when they bring them out, it's a little plate. There's like five olives on it. You paid a dollar per olive on, for that meal, you know. I was glad I was not paying, okay, you know. It was a treat from somebody, so... So, I mean, it was nice, but it was, everything was just these tiny little samples. It was like you're just getting samples of food for six bucks each. And, you know, I can go to Walmart to get samples, so. <laughs> but, so, you know, that's what, I, that's what we were afraid of sitting there in the restaurant. We're like, we just paid, you know, like 60, 70 bucks for this meal, haven't even tipped yet, you know. I really do not want this to come out and be like, here you go. Like, we're splitting this for two, you know. We can't have something tiny and split it. We're going to be in trouble. So I was hungry. And so, you know, the salad was good, and, but then out came the appetizer. And the appetizer, we had ordered a lobster apple bisque. And, you know, we were feeling adventurous. I didn't even, she knew, I didn't know what a bisque was. I'm just like, okay, you want lobster apple bisque? We'll get that. I mean, I barely knew what a lobster was. So, you know, it gets out there. The waiter comes down and sets it on the table. Bowl, food. <laughs> it was like a little ball of apple and lobster. And I'm like, we both just kind of look at each other for a second like, what in the world? What have we got ourselves into? And the waiter walks away. We're just, he comes back, though, and pours soup on it. It's a, it's a soup. I found out what bisque was that day. So it was actually really amazing. But the entree, and yeah, you thought I was done talking about food. No, I'm not. I want to get you guys excited about the volunteer lunch right now. But uh, the, the entree, when it came out, I don't even remember what we had ordered, but I just remember when I put it in my mouth, I was taken up to the third heaven or something. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever tasted. It had, it had lobster and shrimp and some kind of potato that was sweet but was not a sweet potato because sweet potatoes are of the devil. And it was just, it blew my mind. I mean, I, it wasn't that I was shutting my eyes to enjoy the food. It was that I couldn't keep them open. It's just, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this food. I mean, I was praying the whole time. It was amazing. And, you know, a lot of times when we're, when we're getting ready to eat, we're just, you know, we're so excited about what it is. We, especially if, we, you know, we've ordered someone we really want, and we're like, this is going to be delicious. And then they get it there, and you set it down, and you're like, oh, that's a lot of food. I'm going to have to rush through this, eat that fast. I don't even know if I can. All right. You start rushing through it, and you're just, you know, bam, it's done. And you're like, oh, I'm full. Or maybe it was something small, and you're just, man, I wish I would taken my time with that. But, you know, when it's something really good, you just want to take the time to really savor every bite. And you're just, you know, you're feeling like each crevice of the bite with your tongue. You're just making go across the every taste bud. Just, you know, share it until there's nothing left on it. And you're just like, wow, that was good. And, you know, in life a lot of times, we need to stop and smell the roses. Because we, get, we start rushing through things in life. You know, we're so, we're so excited about 
you know, the end result. We're so excited about where we're going to be in 10 years, you know, what we're going to do with our life someday that we forget to take time with what's right now. You know, maybe we're so busy doing the things of God that we don't actually stop to think about what those things mean, what, why he has us doing them, why, you know, what effect that has on our lives, how we've grown. You know, be still. The verse said, be still and know that I'm God. Being still means, you know, stopping everything. And, you know, for us, that's almost as hard as being alone. Have you ever noticed being alone is pretty hard? Just getting alone by yourself. Being still is the same way. You want to run around, you want to do something, you're always busy, you know. If you sit down on the couch for three seconds without doing something, you're just like, oh, this is horrible. Turn on TV. Bam! You know. And we don't know how to handle being still. And, you know, being still means cutting off of our works. And, you know, God, when he made the world, he created the world in six days, the Bible tells us. And on the seventh day, he rested. And for the Jews, he told them, you know, to have a Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, that they would keep holy. They wouldn't do any work. They would rest. And part of what that was, was it was a symbol for us. It was a prophecy of what Jesus would be. That Jesus would be our rest from works. That, you know, before Jesus came, I mean, what were we doing? We were working and working and trying to please God. You know, if we messed up, the Jews would have to, you know, go, go slaughter a lamb, go slaughter a cow. And they would have, for every mistake, you know. And it was all works-based. But when Jesus came, he set us free from that. And we're not saved by our own works. We're saved by what Jesus did by his work on the cross for us. And, you know, I'm not saying this as an excuse for you, you know, to, oh, well, I can just live however I want, or, oh, I don't have to do good things, and I've, God did it all. But you don't need to be afraid all the time of, you're totally afraid you're going to lose your salvation, you're afraid you're going to fall back into sin. God did the work for you. You have the king of all creation living inside of you as a Christian. You don't have to be afraid of what the enemy is going to do against you because you have God with you. And you have to rest from your work. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. You know, we try to please God, but we don't, want, we don't want works to become the primary thing. We want God's grace to just infiltrate our lives. And, you know, in context, being still there was talking about letting go of fear and worry. If you go back, it was talking about wars, and it says that God makes wars to cease. You know, we are in a war in our life, but it's a war that's already been won. It's a war that's been won by Jesus. And so God is with you. Now let him be your strength. Next it says, be still and know. And you know, when I was a little kid, I'm, a lot of you probably, kids aren't in here, right? Because I don't want to, you know, spoil Christmas or something. But a lot of you guys probably believed in Santa Claus. I didn't. I didn't believe in Santa Claus when I was a kid. I wasn't raised that way, you know. And it wasn't like I was sheltered from him, didn't, you know, never heard his name or something. I mean, watched Santa Claus movies, you know, cartoons. I sang Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is coming to town, all that good stuff. I went over to my aunt's house on Christmas Eve, and they would always, at 10 o'clock, Santa Claus would come and knock on the front door. No chimney, I guess. And, you know, then all the kids would run to the front, but he'd already be gone, and there'd be a huge bag of gifts. And I'd be Santa Claus' little helper passing them out, you know. I knew about Santa Claus, but my parents never told me he was real. And so, you know, maybe you believed in Santa Claus. Maybe you believed in the Tooth Fairy or the Easter Bunny. I don't know. Maybe even now, you know, maybe you're into science, and you believe in zero-point energy or antimatter, or maybe you believe in the myth of evolution. Sorry to break that one to you. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're just, you, you are sure that you've seen Bigfoot somewhere. You believe in Bigfoot, Yeti, you know, they're all, they're all real, and I, you know, you're still trying to catch the jackalope. Me, I'm still trying to catch the snipe. Seems like every time I go hunting, though, I don't ever ride home. I don't know what's going on with that, but 
But, you know, we believed. It's one thing to believe, and it's another thing to know. And, you know, I've heard more than once Jesus compared to Santa Claus, that, you know, oh, he's just a myth that Americans grew up with when they were kids, and, you know, you believe in Jesus just because your parents told you he was real, and, you know, and then a lot of people fall away from Jesus because as they get older, you know, maybe they see the person who told them about Jesus, the person who, you know, their pastor, they see somebody in, that they looked up to fall away, they see them stop believing or fall into sin, and suddenly that breaks down, they're like, wait a second, it's all of a sudden like Santa Claus again. It's like, my parents told me he was real, and now they're saying he's not. What's going on here? And then, you know, they hear people arguing against him, and you, you know, you're not seeing the evidence yourself, and they fall away. And let me ask you something. I mean, if you came into church one day, and you found out there was a, a huge scandal in leadership, would that end your faith? Would that just make God null and void for you? Do you just believe because we tell you? Or do you believe because you know God? See, me, I, I don't just believe in God. I did believe in God, and belief is good. I mean, belief is how you get there. It takes faith to know God. But God wants to take you beyond that. He wants you to know him. And see, I know God. I mean, I'm up in Oklahoma because God called me. I'm here because God called me. And I know him. I've experienced his power. You know, I've seen his work. I've seen him heal people. I've, you know, heard his voice. Not in a normal sense, like a human talking in my ear, but he's talked to me, you know. And, you know, God has that for all of you, that he wants you to know him. I mean, it's not going to be the same for you as it is for me or the same as it is for Kim as it is for Jacob, you know. It's going to be different for everybody, the way that you experience God. But, but God is real and he wants you to know him. He said, be still and know that I am God. Don't just believe it. You see, even the, even the demons, the Bible says, believe that he's God, but it doesn't do them any good. But we want to know God personally. And when, you know, Going back in this again. It says, be still and know. And it's talking about wars, I said. It's talking about, you know, all the things that Israel went through. And with, with David especially, I mean, it was just always, there was always war. They were usually on the winning side, but there was just always fighting left and right. And they wanted peace. But he said, be still and know that I'm God in all of that. And he said that he'll put an end to wars, you know. And in our lives, when we're in the battle... You know, the enemy comes against us and he tries to tell us, you know, what you believe in is not real. You don't, God is not real. He tries to tell you that you're not really a Christian, you're not really saved. And he comes against you with all these things, all these doubts, all these fears. And you know what we need to do, though, is we need to be still and know. We need to take a step back. And, you know, when I was a teenager uh, with my youth group, we went to the Benny Hinn crusade once. I was not, you know, I didn't watch Benny Hinn on TV. I'd seen a few minutes maybe once, never heard him preach. But our youth group went to a Benny Hinn crusade, and at the end, by the way, I didn't think he was a great preacher. I'm just going to say that. But he's definitely, he's got a good ministry. I'm not trying to down him or anything, but I just remember kind of sitting up there. This is a youth conference, and I just feel like, you know, I don't know. But he's probably better than me, so what am I talking about, you know? And, but, you know, he called everybody up to go meet, to whoever wanted prayer, who wanted to experience God, you know, to go up on the stage. And it's like 6,000, 10,000, I don't know, a ton of teenagers and just everyone gets in line you know so it's like the whole building is a line and I just remember when I got up on the stage it was just like you know walk up there don't know what's gonna happen he touched me <laughs> you know it was just down as soon as he touched me it wasn't like it wasn't like you know you know when some people are trying to push you I hate it when you get up and you feel like somebody's pressuring you backwards or they're just you know or sometimes you just feel like it's just yourself and you're like maybe I'm I think I'm falling 
think I'm falling. Wait, I can balance. I can balance. But this was just, I got up there, he touched my head, boom. And I'm just like, what happened? They picked me back up, and they touched me, and boom. I'm back, and they're just carrying me off the stage. I'm like, what just, what? <laughs> and, you know, nothing extreme changed in my life at that point. You know, I've, I've had to wonder about that several times, because I'm like, you know, it's not like I had something to get healed of. Uh, I didn't, you know, suddenly start seeing visions and having dreams every night. Nothing, nothing extreme really happened. I'll, I just fell over twice, you know, and got carried off. But, you know, what it has done for me, and I think this was God's purpose in that, was it was just a tangible evidence, something that I can hold on to, that even in the times when the devil comes to me and he says, you know, God's not real, you know, you're not really a Christian, you're not really following God, you're doing the wrong thing, that I can look back and I can say, no, that's not true. I experienced his power then. I can look back at other times, you know, when I, when I was begging God, you know, to show me his love, and he did. I can look back at the things he's done for me and given to me, and I know that he is real. I don't just believe in God. I know he's real. And when the devil comes against you, you want to have times like that that you can just grab a hold of. You can hold on to your faith. You can hold on to what God has done. You know, the, the times in, in Israel's history, they had so many celebrations. And those celebrations, you know, Israel, even now today, just they have so many celebrations. They don't even have a summer break, I don't think, their schools, but they just have, like, you know, every other week they have a couple days off just for a holiday. I mean, one of my friends was from Israel. He just said it was amazing, but I don't know. But, uh, you know, their holidays were to remember what God had done for them. They were to remember the times, you know, when he brought them out of Israel. They were to remember this or that. You know, they were just, they were to remind them of God's power and that God was watching out for them. You know, we need those times. We need those mountaintop experiences. And it does start with belief. Because the Bible says whoever comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, you know, if, you're, if you haven't had that experience with God, okay, that doesn't mean you're not a Christian. doesn't mean you're a bad, bad person or, you know, less of a Christian. It doesn't mean anything like that. But God still has that for you. He still wants to bless you. He still wants you to experience him. He still wants to know you. He created man for a relationship with him. In the Garden of Eden, he was walking with Adam and Eve. So he wants to know you. That's why he created you. And so, if you haven't had that mountaintop experience, you know, if you haven't had something to hold on to, you need to start diligently seeking God. And diligently means not just one time. You don't just come to church one day and say, God, I'm here, please show up. And if he doesn't, you just leave. I guess he'll never do it. But it means continually seeking him. You don't give up. You keep, you keep going after him. You say, God, I'm, not, I'm never going to give up on you because you never gave up on me. And... That's what it means to seek him. And Casey, if Casey's worth any shot, yeah, if you can come up here and play for just a minute. Guys, you know, God, like I said, wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him. You need to have that experience with God. You know, it's going to boost your life as a Christian. It's going to give you something to hold on to in the rough times. And, you know, maybe today's your day. Maybe it's not. Maybe God wants you to keep seeking him and keep pressing in. But I want to give every one of you a chance today. And Noah, if I could get you to come up here too. And we just want to give you a chance. If you want an experience with God, or maybe you've had an experience with God, but you need a reminder of God's love. You need a reminder of how real he is. I just want you to come up to the front right now. And either Pastor Noah or I will pray with you. And we just want to minister to you. And so we're just going to give you an opportunity for that. And Casey, you can just sing a worship song. And... <laughs>